It's episode 110 of the Presentable Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Fien. Today on the program is executive coach, Julia Whitney. We discuss how to get unstuck and thrive both with your craft, your team, and in your career. Julia, thanks so much for being on the program. Thanks so much for inviting me, Jeff. Oh, it's great. I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, you know, I have such a, I have a lot of uh, beliefs, I think, around coaching. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just such a big proponent of it. And uh, we haven't had anybody on the program to talk about coaching. So um, it, it's wonderful that you're here. And you're also, you know, calling in from London. So we have that connection, too. Yeah, we do. We do indeed. I'm I'm really curious to hear about your beliefs about coaching. Do tell. The power and the... Well, look here, I'll tell you what. One of the things that I've seen over and over in my career uh, uh, and observing all the like careers of other people is that kind of no matter how much success you've had or how far somebody appears to have gotten, they still get stuck. And, yes. And it is the unsticking, right? There, there's power in that. There's a process around that. And to me... That's just uh, both um, reassuring, <laughs> you know, uh, and just really exciting um, to see. So, you know, I thought maybe we could kind of dig into uh, how, how people get stuck, why they think they're the only ones who get stuck, um, and kind of ways through. Uh, and in particular, I think it's relevant um, to folks who listen to this podcast because uh, your whole background previous to coaching uh, has been in design. You were at the BBC. Tell me a little bit about that. Like, what was that journey and transition what like? What was that journey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first, I just want to say that I love the way that you talked about coaching um, and that, you know, that idea of people getting stuck and needing help to get out of that stuckness. I like to think of myself as somebody who, as a coach, I help free people to live their fullest work lives. Mm, like um, and that. so that's, you know, freeing them from that stuckness is, is a big part of. Oh, uh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I have, uh, I currently work with a coach and I have for years and years. Um, and that does totally resonate that, that idea. So you, so your journey, how did you get here? My journey. So I was a designer for a long time. I, um, you know, if we go way back, <laughs> I got my master's degree from Yale in graphic design. And then I went to work at WGBH in Boston for years and was a design oh, yeah. leader there. Then um, went to work at the BBC at very, a variety of design leadership roles um, and ultimately got promoted to be the executive creative director and general manager cool. of the user experience and design department. So I was responsible for, you know, all of the BBC's websites and mobile apps and services for interactive tele and that kind of thing. And it was a team of 150 people, you know, nine million pound budget, all of that kind of stuff. So. Wow. Wow. Cool. So it's iPlayer and all of that was. iPlayer, BBC yeah. News, you name it. Yep. Amazing. Yeah. It was very, very cool. <laughs> it was a great job. I, yeah, I bet. I bet. And then sort of a transition into uh, individual coaching, I can imagine a sort of, I don't know, in my, in my experience in large organizations, after, especially in leadership, after a while, you're just like, okay, I think I've done everything I can do here. <laughs> you got it. That's exactly it. It was like, okay, where do I want my next learning to come from? You know, what do I want to be Yeah, focusing on my, on um, applying my talents and interests to next? And I, I realized in the process of especially my um, senior leadership roles at the mm -hmm. BBC that I was getting more and more interested in developing people, helping people develop and helping culture develop. Yeah. And I realized that that was the avenue that was opening up in front of me. That was the the kind of bit of the landscape that I wanted to explore next. 
Um, and that's when I decided that it might be interesting to train to be a coach. And the BBC has this amazing internal coaching program. It's an award-winning coaching program inside the BBC. And part of what they do is they train senior leaders to become coaches. And I went off on that. It was an amazing training program. And I went off on the first um, sort of three-day module. It was up in Salford, sunny Salford. And um, I remember getting on the train back to London and being like, okay, this is it. This is my next, my next calling, my next career. Oh, that's really, that's really cool. What, what, so it was the connection that you had to sort of the people on your team and, and helping them thrive that kind of framed that up. Absolutely. I just loved that part of the role. And I, 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 my, my, um, you know, my background and my foundations have always been in design. And so I love being able to work with design leaders now, as well as product leaders and tech leaders. But I found that I wasn't as interested anymore in the design problems themselves. And I was more interested in the problems of, or problems or the challenges or the opportunities in building culture and um, and developing individuals and helping them to thrive. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah. That's um, a lot of parallels where I, where I sort of went through as well. I remember, and and for me, it was it was more on the entrepreneurial and startup side of things, which was um, uh, how do we reduce risk? That's always what we would come back to. And in the corporate world, it's sort of like that too, but more abstract. You're you're less chill. Shielded, like we, of course, had, you know, a very visceral kind of bank account that equaled the number of days that we had left to be alive, right? Like that right. was so. Um, so, in that kind of essentially really high pressure context, how, how can we reduce the risks to increase the chances that we will success be successful and keep going? Yeah. And to me, you know, there's a lot of pieces of that. There is like developing solid business model and revenue streams. There's, you know, there is deep understanding of the technology to make sure that we're not, you know, developing our way into a dead end, you know, all those sorts of things. But ultimately it came back to, um, I, th- I think the things that I've said many times on this podcast, and I'm sure will will uh, sound very familiar to you, but like, w- I, I bet we can be more competitive and get to product market fit faster if we all feel safe with each other. Yeah, you know, and absolutely. in that like crazy startup world where everybody's kind of a type A personality because that's the kind of often the kind of people that are you know attracted to that high risk environment. Like this is it, it was a it was a big challenge and enormously rewarding. Enormously rewarding. That is key, isn't it? And yeah, to, when you develop that kind of culture, when you're kind of cultivating that amongst your team, you just it feels great, doesn't it? It feels absolutely wonderful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is is it's certainly the case. So, uh, so you've started that up. Um, I'm curious, you know, if there are designers out there, regardless of where they are in their career, how they might think about if they need a coach or if they want a coach, if they're curious about it. I imagine it's the kind of conversation you have on the like the first consult with somebody, right? Like, what, yeah. you know, what are your goals and stuff like that? But um, I was wondering if you could talk <laughs> through, like, how do people think about starting? Yeah. So often um, people have been thinking about making a particular change or or thinking about how their particular version of being stuck. And they may have been thinking about it for quite some time. They may have felt stuck for quite some time. Yeah. And often they've um, they've tried, you know, different things, reading books, you know, reading, reading medium posts, you know, podcasts, definitely podcasts, <laughs> podcasts of course, podcasts. Absolutely. 
um, you know, they, and they, they find that they're still stuck somehow. Um, and so when they come across the idea or, or, or maybe they've been thinking about it for a while in the back of their mind, but the, the, that initial conversation is often, a, well, this is kind of what my thing is that I'm trying to work out. And I don't know, I've been thinking about it for a while and I, I can't quite do it myself. You know, I can't quite get there myself. Yeah, that's that was the question, wasn't it, Jeff? Yeah, yeah. You know, what's interesting to me is also kind of the difference between a coach, which is typically external to the organization, and more of a mentorship relationship, which is typically internal. I have always found the external relationship way more powerful. I mean, they're very different, and maybe they, maybe it's not an either or, um, but but a both. But the Having somebody to work through problems who is not invested in the problem in any way, to me, seems incredibly valuable. My clients tell me this as well. And I, of course, have received coaching myself, of course. That's part of how I became a convert. Mm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I have found that to be true. It's wonderful to have somebody who is outside of your context, somebody who is kind of not prejudiced by their own vested interest in, you know, in your outcome, in any way, uh, to be a sounding board for your thoughts and your explorations of of, of your circumstances. I, it's interesting. I wouldn't necessarily, because I've worked as an internal coach as well as now having my own coaching business, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't necessarily say for me the distinction is internal and external. It's more about like when I was coaching people at the BBC, mm. it was most successful when I was the furthest away from the division that they were working in. Um, so, yeah. So I would say it's more, but I would make that distinction that I'm glad to hear you make between mentoring and coaching um, because it is a very different thing. So I, I see mentoring as a kind of um, often more, sometimes there are formal mentoring programs within an organization, but mentoring is much more of a somebody giving advice somebody sort of sharing of their expertise. And I see coaching as being much more about being a thinking partner to somebody, Mm. you know, very much um, being there to ask excellent, powerful questions and, you know, um, support and challenge the person, um, but not to give advice from a, a place of sort of supposed expertise. Yeah, right. I'm always like my the, the person that I do coaching with. Uh, I'm always like, "What should I do?" Yeah, <laughs> she's like, "Come on now, you know the rules here." <laughs> like, no, just tell me, and then we're done. Like that'd be so much easier. <laughs> That's so good, Jeff. I'm so glad you said that because um, for those who are listening who have never had coaching before, that's a definite thing. It's like some people do show up to a coaching session and they want answers, and of course, you know, it would be wonderful if we could sort of wave a magic wand and have a, a fairy god person come and give us the answers to all our problems. But the thing I find with coaching that's so important is that if I can help somebody answer their own questions and come up with their own solutions, it's going to fit them like a glove. Mm. Whereas if I try to give somebody advice based on my own experience, it's going to chafe. Oh yeah, for sure. And, um, and from a, like a process point of view, what, one of the things I realize, I mean, it's very similar to therapy as well, right? Cognitive behavioral therapy, which is talking through the problem is often just the solution. Like that's what you need. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Now that I say this all out loud, like 
you know, my anger towards that person is ridiculous. Like, you know, or like, yes. or there's a place where I could go find out why I'm angry and not like, what should I do about it or about that them? Is, so, yeah, it, it's so brilliant that you have had such, um, you know, such rich coaching experience because I, I feel like we're talking the same language here. That's mm. absolutely one of the huge benefits of coaching is that as you as a client, you know, or as the coachee, are discussing or just talking about your thoughts to another person who's listening, you know, you're like, Oh, wow. I just heard myself say that, you know, <laughs> and now it makes sense that I feel this way or that this thing is getting in my way. Oh, you know, there's a clue right there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, hold that thought. I'm going to take a little break and then we'll come right back. This episode of presentable is brought to you by forward networks. Forward Networks reduces business risk by revolutionizing the way large networks are managed. How? Well, their advanced software delivers a digital twin of the network, which is a completely accurate mathematical model, only in software. The model serves as a single source of truth for the network, so users can verify that their network is configured correctly and is in compliance with policies and is behaving exactly as they intended. Forward Enterprises can accurately predict the impact of a proposed change across every possible traffic path, so network operators can roll out changes with confidence, all while the network stays secure and reliable. It really is an invaluable tool for your company. Fortune 500 companies and large public sector organizations are turning to mathematical models of the network. Forward Networks have customers like PayPal and Verizon and Goldman Sachs, along with several large government agencies. It was founded in 2013 by four Stanford PhD graduates who felt empathy for network operators and know that security is top of mind for IT professionals and business leaders. So they sought to apply principles of modern software development to the network. You can request a demo at forwardnetworks.com slash presentable. Do it today. That's forwardnetworks.com slash presentable. And if you go there now, check it out. It's at forwardnetworks.com slash presentable. Our thanks to Forward Networks for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Uh, all right, so we were we were talking about kind of getting started with coaching, and I'm just I know like you were mentioning that the BBC had an internal program. I know like some of the companies that I have worked with in the past have have as well. But for people who don't like, you know, how do they sort of navigate this? Like, I really could use somebody on my side to talk to, and where can I find them? So how do they find a coach? Well, that's interesting. I mean, I can talk from my own experience about how people have found me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, some of the ways that they've found me, sometimes they've gone out on leadership, like design leadership Slack groups and gone, does anybody know a good coach? And people have recommended me. Um, sometimes they've heard from a friend um, who's had some coaching with me and they're like, oh, you know, I want me some of that yeah. <laughs> or a colleague. Um uh, similarly, um, so as far as finding coaches full stop, um, you know, it's it's the usual ways, uh, you know, just asking your your right. cohort um, who they would recommend and, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, as far as what things might be important to you that you're looking for in a coach, I think it's really important. Every good coach, any coach worth their salt will say, First, let's have a chemistry session or basically an introductory session right. where we're figuring out whether we have rapport. And that's as much for the coach as it is for the person looking for coaching. So if you're looking for coaching, it's super important that you feel like, yeah, I want to work with this person. I feel like we get along. I feel like they under- this person understands me. Um, and I feel like we could do, you know, I could make progress on, and what I'm, tr- you know, on the, on the things that I want to make progress on yeah. with this person. 
So chemistry is super important. Rapport, super important. I even noticed, uh, having worked with some people in the past, just the, the balance of talking. You know, it sounds a little, it almost sounds superficial, but I have worked with people that I felt like didn't talk enough. To, like I felt like I was feeling, filling space and maybe that's a, a technique, but it doesn't work for me. Like there's like the, the rapport doesn't work anymore. Right. Like, yeah. There you go. You mean you've interviewed coaches, let's say, and they didn't talk enough and you felt uncomfortable in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, that's it. It's like, you are the expert, you know, everybody who's looking for coach is actually the expert in their needs from a coach. So you have to kind of see whether you feel like you're going to enjoy working with that person or get something from it. It's not always enjoyable. Sometimes it's challenging, just Mm. like a really good personal trainer would be challenging you sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But you have to feel like, yep, I can, I know that this, I feel good about this. I feel that this is going to, you know, be a good relationship. You make a really good point there, the analogy to a personal trainer, right? With your own fitness. And, um, uh, and there's two parts to that, or maybe there's more, but like, there's the, there is the, like, let me give you some guidance. So you're doing it right. You know, there is some of that, right. Uh, um, so when I talk through, maybe I have a struggle with somebody on my team, like, well, first of all, let's talk through, you know, what's an emotionally intelligent way to do this. Just like a, a trainer would be like, you know, in your stride, you're not doing whatever. Right. But the other part then is the accountability. I I find like, Oh, I got to work out because like when the, when I go see my trainer, they'll be like, you haven't done anything, (laughs) you know, and it's the same with my coach. Like, did you have the conversation with that person? Like, no, (laughs) I didn't do it. So that kind of, I think that's really good too. That is one of the things that makes coaching so effective is that sense of accountability. And I find, Jeff, and I don't know whether this is true for you, but I find that I barely have to do anything as a coach to conjure a sense of um, accountability in the person I'm coaching. (laughs) Just by virtue of the fact that they're going to see me for the next session, they're like suddenly, you know, like, oh, yeah, no, I have to do that thing that I've been meaning to do forever, you know? Yeah, you know, for a period of time, uh, I was in a a little group over Zoom that did meditation together, which was, (laughs) you know, what, what did we do? We turned on Zoom and then we're silent for you yes. know 20 minutes like and but the like oh here like it just works so well you know it works so well doesn't it you those people just are kind of need to show yeah, up to show up absolutely i think the other super simple aspect or one other super simple aspect of um coaching effectiveness is just that set aside time to reflect Because certainly as leaders, uh, you know, we're busy people. Sometimes we're parents as well, whatever, you know, we have busyness in our, in our work lives and in our home lives. And sometimes it's, you know, we, we struggle to find that time to just take a step back and reflect. So that kind of enshrined session time Mm. can be so valuable in and of itself. And that's another aspect of coaching that I think is, is really effective is it's, you know, somebody's expecting you to show up and reflect. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's interesting because I think it's very easy to frame executive coaching as like, uh, a, uh, performance boost. You know what I mean? Like, this is my, my pathway to leadership in this organization. I'll go get coaching to do it. But it's, I think, uh, equally powerful to frame it as self-care. Oh my goodness. You know? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess 
for me, often the two I'm, you know, I, I'm thinking of the Venn diagram overlap mm. there. I mean, the two are, you know, part and parcel of the same thing. It's to be a more effective leader. You should be reflecting on yourself and your own development and you should be developing yourself. You know, yeah. um, you should be allowing yourself that space and time to ask yourself those crucial questions. What's going well? What could be going better? What am I enjoying? What not so much? What would I like more of? You know, what would I like less of? All of that is super important. Yeah. And it took me a long time to realize that I can ask those questions like I was allowed to. Yes. It's okay for yes. me to want more of the good parts of my job and less of the crappy parts. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and not to say, I mean, it's, you know, it's work after all. So sometimes, you know, we have to, we have to also accept that our jobs aren't going to be perfect in any sort of right. way, but yes, absolutely. That it is okay. You are allowed to ask for that. You are allowed to think about that and your, your decisions will happen in a context where those things are important as well as the realities and the priorities and all of those things as well. Mm, yeah. So we do still have to chop wood and carry water. Yeah, we, well, all. I mean, <laughs> at, at least uh, let, let me put it this way. I, I, I think most gratifying careers have a bit of chopping wood and carrying water as well as, you know, uh, a kind of self-actualization. <laughs> no matter how great the people are that we're working with and, and the s problems we're solving are so intriguing, there's still a budget. We still have to like go, <laughs> go through this <laughs> damn spreadsheet. <laughs> there's still gravity, you know what I mean? Like we are still connected to this earth, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so let's shift gears just a little bit. Earlier uh, at the beginning of the uh, our conversation here, you talked about uh, helping people to do their best work. And I wonder if we could talk a little bit through how we do achieve that. And, and this feels like probably some of the themes that come up in your coaching work all the time, um, you know, where we focus our attention and, um, and how, we, uh, how we react to the things that come up. I wonder if you could talk through that a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty broad category as I'm sure hmm. I, you can imagine. So, so basically if, um, if, the the question is about how do you figure out the best way to develop in your career and sort of is that is that what you mean Jeff or yeah 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 sure. okay well I'll tell you what I can I can I can give you even a tighter question than that it is what are the qualities that we should be focused on in developing that might help us be more successful if I were to bullet point out what I consider a definition of emotional intelligence to be I believe that that is kind of the pathway to successful leadership that's my worldview and bias around that yeah and so that those bullet points would be a set of things that I should work on right that I can, I see and so that's what I'm like that's how I feel like doing our best work. And if everybody on the team, especially if they share a bunch of those bullet points, uh, then I think we get uh, better at collaborating and problem solving and decision making. That's really interesting. Can you just give me a description of what one of those bullet points is? Can sure. You give me Listening, example? for example. Listening. As yes, a skill, okay. right? As, okay. As Got a it. very active yeah. thing that you practice getting better at. Right. There's a big, uh, more nebulous, the sort of empathy or even the desire that I have for other members of my team to, to succeed, right. As opposed yes. to success and credit is a thing of scarcity, right? Like, yes. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah some yeah. of those things. 
Some of those things, yeah, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. So, um, so I have two answers to that question. One is, so uh, part of you, when you talked about empathy, that reminds me of something that I really stress in, I actually do training workshops on stakeholder management and empathy is a key piece of that because so often we're caught up in our own stories about what's going on for that other person um, and, and mostly how that other person is impacting me. And so rarely do we actually use even the skills of a designer, you know, to get to sit in that um, more empathetic or empathic place and try to really understand the world from where that person's sitting. So I do this really powerful exercise uh, with the people who I do my stakeholder management training workshop with, uh, which comes from Gestalt therapy. Mm -hmm. You may have heard of this exercise. It's called the empty chair exercise. Mm -hmm. And and you literally, you know, spend some time sitting in the you chair. Then you spend some time sitting in the stakeholder chair. Then you act as if you're standing on a balcony looking down at the stage of a theater and watch the interaction, that same interaction play out amongst the two people down there. And you get I'm always amazed at the insights that people gain from going through that exercise and the empathy that they're able to kind of cultivate as, as part of the process. Oh, that sounds great. And I do sometimes do that with my clients as well, that exercise, if that's what they're coming to work on um, with me. But it's interesting that you talk about the sort of the things that you're kind of bullet points for what what is good for people to develop in order to be successful as a leader and also to uh, cultivate successful teams. When I do team coaching, I definitely have a set of things uh, that I'm kind of working toward. And usually it's about being good at some of those same kinds of things. So it's about, um, you know, how are we as a group making decisions together? And how could we be, um, you know, doing that incredibly well, even better than we are now? You know, how yeah. are we dealing with conflict in a productive way? You know, are we are we embracing it? Are we avoiding it? Are we, um, you know, descending into negative, you know, like personal insults? Are we guilty of artificial harmony? You know, so with the team coaching, it's really important to talk about the mining conflict for its gems. Oh, I want to ask you more about conflict in, in particular. Uh, let's take a quick break uh, and we'll come right back. This episode of Presentable is brought to you by the Inside Track. Hey, if you're looking for a new show to listen to, try to you should check out the Inside Track. Uh, it's a podcast from Microsoft with the with the host uh, Carrie Labelle, who interviews industry experts, insiders, and analysts from the automotive industry, covering long term trends uh, around how people have different expectations for their cars and the effects of technology uh, and the industry strategies that they're trying to respond. Super interesting. They have a bunch of segments in every. Every show, like how, how artificial intelligence is being used in automotive manufacturing, or what's happening with connected vehicles, and how they're using cloud simulations, uh, intelligent infrastructure, loads of stuff. They've got guests uh, from big auto manufacturers and, and technology platforms, uh, or the companies that develop technology platforms for the automotive industry. Super, super interesting. I was just listening to an episode about how the attitudes are really shifting over the past decade in the automotive industry where the manufacturers kind of always left the customer experience to the dealerships. Like, it's up to you. You take care of them. Uh, And how much that has changed. You know, we see... Companies like Tesla selling direct and and things like that, uh, fundamental shift in how they think about 
the experience they have to create for the cars that they're making. Super, super interesting. So go and listen to it. Just search for the Inside Track wherever you get your podcasts or click the link in our show notes here. Thanks to the Inside Track and Microsoft for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Yeah, so um, you mentioned conflict and coaching with teams. Uh, I find that also just from an individual perspective as well, that, that might be one of my bullet points, which is um, not just the skills in re- resolving conflicts, but actually stepping into it, into the difficult conversation and getting started with that. And I love that term you just used because we think of conflict of like, ah, I'm angry and they're angry and rah, rah. but there's also this like insidious, like fake harmony where everything is great. The team is awesome. And yeah, let's go. And underneath like they're seething, right? Like, yes, exactly. Exactly. And that is so destructive. So if you're not actually bringing whatever's causing that seething out into the open, you know, not putting it out on the table, then that seething is going to destroy your effectiveness because there's some reason why the seething's happening. It may be that, um, you know, usually it's because people haven't had their voices heard. They haven't made their voices mm-hmm. heard. And even if a decision is made that goes against the thing that you as a team member wanted, you're much better able to accept that decision and take it on board and, and, and act on it if you've had your say and your point of view has been considered in the decision-making process. So, yeah. yeah. Avoiding conflict is really deathly. <laughs> it's not quite as deathly as like, you know, mean-spirited personal attacks, but avoiding it altogether is is insidious. I would agree with that word. Yeah. 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 From a from a leadership perspective as well, uh, one of the th- things, I guess one of the skills that I really had to work on was kind of the stepping into little bits of conflict in group settings. So, and, and what, what, like, to me, the, the, like the golden thing that we're trying to achieve here is a group of us working on a problem together. And I, in real time, it is probably the most difficult part of the lockdown. I love remote work, but it needs to be punctuated with these periods where we're together and jamming, you know? Yes. Jamming is a great way to phrase it. And it's in those contexts, like in those sessions where I would from time to time observe behavior that didn't feel like that matched our values and to find a way to both call it out and do so in a way that the person essentially being accused feels supported and not incriminated, right? Like that to me was the, one of the hardest things to do to just say, hold on, let's stop everything for a second and take a step back because this isn't, you know, yeah. Wow. I, I, I'm desperate to ask more. So tell me, um, <laughs> how did you manage to get yourself to start to do that? Part of it, I think, was developing a vocabulary for it. Great. And so, what was, what, what, what's uh, a key phrase? Now I'm trying you? to remember. It's been a while since I, you know, did real work. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I found I found actually one that has worked for a number of my clients, and actually I observed myself as a leader at the BBC was somebody saying, "May I challenge that?" Literally yeah. asking the question, "May I challenge that?" Because somehow you're you're actually inviting you're you're asking for permission, 
And the person will almost inevitably go, go on, you know, like, yeah. okay, you know, <laughs> so they'll give you permission and then you can, you can, you can address it. So I found that to be a magic opener of that conversation. Right. Uh, we had, uh, now I can't remember the, the exact words we used, but we, we had this technique that we would bring up all the time where instead of, uh, giving your opinion about how somebody else's ideas should be changed, you turn it into a question about how they got there. Oh, nice. Right? I like and that. That one worked a yeah. lot. Um, and this comes from many, many years of having designers put their work up for engineers to critique, right? And that even that language to me is a little too laden with potential conflict. You know, the yeah, idea of- Yeah, laden with of, hierarchy too, uh, right? Yeah, and all of that, right? The idea, the idea is really, can this be built, right? Not- Right. But, and so having working then with an entire team to say, as we're looking at somebody else's proposal, can we like, instead of saying, I hate blue yeah. what, or, you know, why is that blue? Not even that, but can we talk about how you're using color here? And could you talk through how you got to that? You know, it's just totally turns the conversation around from like, I think my way, not your way versus like, let's talk about the, the meaning behind what we're looking at on the screen. Fantastic. Yeah. As far as design critique goes, that's the, you know, that's the magic bullet, isn't it? To say what, you know, what was your thinking process? What was this project trying to achieve? What are you, you know, what are you, where are you heading with this? Tell us, take us through your process. Yeah. Then you've got the context, right? You're not just reacting. Yeah. 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 And we can yeah. avoid the personal attacks, which is, yes, you know, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, earlier you were asking me about um, that sort of, you know, what my bullet points would be. Yeah. Um, and I started, I, I did everything but address the <laughs> question of what that would be for an individual leader. And and, and the reason, I, actually, I don't have a set of bullet points for an individual leader in part because everybody comes to me with such a different um, set of challenges and opportunities and strengths and, you know, goals and that kind of thing. It's so unique. Actually, it can't be so unique, can it? That's a qualifier. It's unique every right. time. Um, and, uh, and so I find that the, the kind of thing that needs unlocking for one person may well be completely different than another. I do bring to coaching my cer a certain ethos. Of course I do. And it has a lot of the values in it that you are describing, you know, um, listening being really important, cultivating empathy being really important, emotional intelligence being really important. But there are people who come to me because they actually struggle with emotional intelligence. You know, they're just, that's not their, um, their, uh, natural aptitude. And so what I'm helping them with is figuring out how to take those first steps. How can they start to expand their repertoire of behaviors so that they're, they're being authentic to themselves, but able to be more effective mm. by that expansion rather than a change, a wholesale change. Sure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, I, the, obviously a personal journey is different for you know, everybody who's, who's approaching it. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, but I bet also from your seat in the coaching chair, you get to, you have a, a broad survey, right? Yes. To say yeah. like, well, these, here's a set of behaviors that turns out like, you know, Oh, I see. It's more tends effective. to get you more, you know, towards, yeah. uh, at least what other people said as goals. So 
Yes, it's be yes, some. yes, yes. Best yes. practices, I guess. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess um, you're right that I do. I do have um, a good overview, um, but you know what? I've never set myself the challenge. It'd be really interesting to to set myself the challenge of thinking about in aggregate, what are those qualities and characteristics? I think that would be a good, you've just asked me a very good coaching question, Jeff. <laughs> but but to turn it around the other way, I often um, engage in that kind of, kind of conversation and exploration with my clients. Mm-hmm. Often they're coming to me saying, I, I feel like I want to kind of have my design principles for my leadership. You know, I, I feel like I want to work on that. Yeah. What are they? And and so I engage with them in a process of pulling those out of them, out of their thinking, sort of, you know, asking them the questions that will provoke their their thinking aloud about what those might be. And then, you know, kind of developing a set. Yeah, so. yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I had a, uh, a guest on the podcast a while back named Bill Burnett, who wrote oh, yeah. a book called I- Designing Your Life. Yes. And yeah. what I, and, and that was very interesting because it's, it's many of these things. Like I, I can see, maybe I can see a future where I'm doing a bunch of different things. Like I have some goals and everything. Could I use the design process to get there? Right. Could I do prototyping and iterative testing and, you know, those sorts of things to get me, uh, in a more tangible way. Um, and I, I have always found that, you know, I, I, I tend to be able to do things if, if I can do some work around it, you, yes. know, you know what I mean? Yep. Like actual, like, all right, like, uh, homework, <laughs> right. Could I, is there any way I could put some sticky notes on the wall, please? You know, yes. like, just give me some, some method of like, there's a lot going on in my head, but making it tangible and winnowing it down and, and then, you know, creating some kind of artifact that can get me there. I find that especially with design leaders, that yeah. is that, that, that can be really effective is saying, okay, so what do we want at the end of this process? Well, actually, I want something that I could hold in my hand that is my set of, you know, in the example that you gave, my set of bullets for, you know, what I think successful leadership is, you know, um, or other, for other people, there is a, you know, a desire maybe to, I've, I've had some clients who have really wanted to develop a filter that they could think about their next job opportunities and they could, you know, they could use to filter the opportunities that they were coming their way based on what they wanted for their development and their growth. So, yeah, yeah, that's so, great. Yeah, that, that tangible outcome, I, I, I understand that desire. I find that's the other thing that I find really interesting being a coach is people are so different. Some people want the homework, they want the like beginning, middle, and end. They want structure. Uh-huh. They want, you know, they love it if I offer up a um, a framework or a model that they can scaffold their thinking around. Other people, literally free-flowing chat is the way to epiphany. You know, it is so interesting how differently people work. I have one client uh, who recently, she's gotten really into this metaphor, this analogy for um, exploring her future career as being this enchanted forest. Um, And in it, there are, you know, monsters. And when you look more closely at the monster, you realize it's not a monster. It's a human that's been bewitched and you need to break the spell, you know, that kind of thing. So so one client working particularly well with metaphor and and somebody else being like, I really want to go through, you know, I want to know where I am in the process. I want to understand that this is the beginning. This is the middle. This is the end. So it's very you know, there's a lot of variation. I would imagine. I would imagine for sure. Um, 
I think ultimately the the idea of having that safe space to really work out maybe even some of the fears that you have, right? Absolutely. I also find that just so incredibly powerful. Um, And there are many times when I'm working with a coach where I just want to use a session because I have um, a bunch of fears that I intellectually know are false, but I can't shake them. And and I'm going to like, I would be really embarrassed to say these out loud to anybody, but Hey, I'm paying you and we have this confidentiality and like, it's just, you know, and you're not invested in, I have this, again, a belief that my coach's only goal is, you know, uh, my improvement, my betterment, you know, right. And not the firm, not the team, none of that stuff. So, um, being able to just be messy for a little while. I think it's so Absolutely. important. Absolutely. Where else, do, you know, we typically don't get that chance no. in other, with other relationships, you know, even with our, our closest friends or our, our spouse or, you know, what have you, you often don't get that chance. And absolutely that's a role of the coach and can, yeah. that, that safe space and that confidentiality are crucial. Yeah. You know, and, and I guess to kind of finish up, we have been, uh, there, there's been an assumption in our conversation here that moving forward in your career is always heading towards leadership. And, um, uh-huh, and that's, right. you know, that's one thing also is that I think there's a tremendous value and I do this not in an official capacity, but, um, uh, and, and less mentorship and more coaching for young designers who really want to be the best possible individual contributor. And, uh, I have a lot of respect for people later in their career that are like, you know what? You go lead. I want to be the best possible designer, you know, that could be. So absolutely. There's more more than one path as well through all of this to to success. Absolutely. There's more than one path. Success is uh, as individual as the fingerprints of the people who, who bring their, their goals to the table. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Well, this is great. Where, uh, where can we learn more? Well, you can learn more. Um, You can come to my website. Um, So that's Whitney and associates.uk. Cool. And um, yeah, there's a little form there where you can say, let's have a chat. I'm always, always happy to hop on a Zoom call and have a chat with people. I was at your website. Uh, I will put a link to it in the show notes for this episode. There's some really good videos there too, some talks that you did at like Product Tank, I think it was, and things like that. Uh, I'm going to recommend everybody go check those out because I got a lot out of those. I like them. Oh, good. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Julia, thanks so much for being on the program. This is a great conversation. This has been such a fun conversation. Thank you so much, Jeff. And that's another episode of Presentable. Hey, got any questions? You can email us at hello at presentable.fm or get in touch via Twitter by following Presentable FM. We hope you've really enjoyed the show. And if you do, could you take a moment and give us a rating on iTunes? It really helps and we'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jeffrey Veen and this was Presentable. Presentable.